You're listening to Tim Talks, Taking Interest in Ministry, a conversation between two great friends with over 70 years of ministry between them. Ministering on opposite sides of the border, Dr. Al Stone is the General Director of Bearing Precious Seed Canada and Pastor Emeritus of the Bible Baptist Church in St. Thomas, Ontario, Canada, while Pastor Dan Wolven pastors the North Columbus Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio. Listen now as Al and Dan review and relate their experiences in hopes of helping others who are taking an interest in ministry. Now, here is Tim Talks. Welcome to Tim Talks, still a coffee-free zone, and this is a double coffee-free zone because my guest with me today is our assistant pastor and one of my sons, Steve Wolven. I'm glad to be here today. All right, well... um, since we're doing what you had suggested here, so I keep joking around saying that you this was your idea, and then Baptist Ed was your idea, and the next idea you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> you make me sound like the, I'm the Wizard of Oz, the man behind the curtain. Oh yes, exactly. You're 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 pulling all the strings. You're I'm dancing to uh, the way the puppet master <laughs> is working. So, well, that's a nice segue into. Um, dads and sons working together in the ministry. And I thought that that'd be interesting to hear from your perspective. I mean, I can give you my perspective, but probably over the course of five, six years, I've I've already done that in the past. But uh, I was thinking of different times. A lot of sons like to go back to their home church and maybe they have designs to become the next pastor. I have no idea. But uh, oftentimes, sons will graduate from Bible college and go back and work at their home church. And so I sort of wanted to use this as a preparation of the good, the bad, and the ugly of, uh, uh, you know, working with your dad. So uh, why did you come back from college? Tell us just a little bit about that. Um, I probably I came back probably most of all because I had a burden to. Mm-hmm. And I felt that that's what the Lord wanted me to do. Um, even though I was interviewed by a few a few people after college um, to go and be the you know music guy at a different church, I I wanted all along to come back to our place, probably because I saw the need and I had a burden for it, and uh, I felt that that's where the Lord wanted me to go. Amen. Well, I'm thrilled you've been here. You've been here now how long? Uh, since August of 2006, so yes. August yeah, over, 28th of 2006, yes. because that was my birthday, I remember when you That's came That's right. Back. Yeah, where my wife was crying more and more each state as we <laughs> left Oklahoma, because she had never left Oklahoma, and I cheered more and more each state that we passed through. <laughs> Way to rub it in, <laughs> Mr. Compassion. <laughs> Well, we had a lot of needs, and so whenever you first came back, um, we had had an assistant pastor that we had paid, and we were in pretty difficult financial situation. So whenever you came back and were just jumping in, you had to work a secular job. Yes. Yeah, for for quite a bit. Yes. I worked a second job while also, you know, working at the church. Yes, so full-time for probably about a year and a half, I want to say. Yeah, I don't think it was quite two years, but yeah, it was about a year and a half. And then we were able to bring on part-time, and then that part-time was at least another couple of years. Mm -hmm. 
you know, maybe maybe three. So I, I and then when we did take on full time, it wasn't really wasn't really full time pay. I mean, truly. Yeah, it was. You know, a, we did we did the best we could. Yeah. But uh, and and it's been a blessing to be able to do a little bit better each year. And I think the church, you know, and of course, many people in our church probably don't even realize mm-hmm. and understand what had happened. But uh, you definitely sacrificed financially and, you know, in a lot of ways, just like we did whenever we came. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I felt like that's what the Lord wanted. So, you know, whatever the the sacrifice that I had to do, you know, it was worth it because that's what the Lord wanted. So going to a small church course, you grew up at Cleveland Baptist, mm-hmm. you know, large church, a lot of opportunities. Uh, we, You graduated from high school, and then after that, the Lord moved us here. So you were working a secular job for a year before you went off to college. And uh, so what was it like? What was it like during uh, college? You know, you were from a big church, mm-hmm. and you went to college at a big church, and then you came back in the summer to a small church. Yeah, it was very weird. I didn't feel really like I was a part of the church here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it was very odd because I still felt cl- like Cleveland was my home. Yes. Because um, even that year that we started coming here, uh, we still lived in Cleveland for a bit, mm-hmm. and the family would travel back and forth, but I still had to work every other Sunday. So I only came down like half the time that the right. family came down. Right. You know, so it, it didn't seem like it was a ton of time to really get to know everybody. Mm-hmm. And then just coming back for different breaks, you know, yeah, it, it was weird. And it didn't really feel like, you know, my home church until a while that I was working here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't remember the date that North Columbus Baptist felt like my home church, even as the pastor. I don't remember the date, but I do remember an instance when uh, I was asked to preach at Cleveland Baptist, and I was looking forward to getting back home at our home church. I mean, I enjoyed being at Cleveland Baptist. I enjoyed seeing the people again, but I did not. I definitely felt a disconnect in the fact that I felt a great connection to our church and our people here. And I think that's whenever I really understood, you know, this is this is home now. Mm-hmm. This is my spiritual home. And so I was, it, it, it was good to feel that way. So, all right, so coming here, um, there were a lot of uh, challenges because we had a lot of needs and still do have, I mean, every church has needs. I don't care if you're running 3,000, 8,000, uh, 25, you still have a lot of needs in mm-hmm. your congregation. So what did you th- see was were some of the biggest weaknesses that you wanted to fill? Probably right off the bat was uh, the hole that our church had musically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we had a pr- pretty big need, I felt, in that area. Um, and so we tackled that right away. Um, and, you know, I also enjoyed at the beginning where we were helping out the college group. Yes. Cause there's so many colleges around Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus that was like 
the age that I was anyway. Yes. We really had a good college group going. Yes, we did. There at the beginning. Yeah, yep. we really did. Very good. So um, as as you're getting a little bit settled and, uh, you know, you wind up having an office, you, you wind up having some uh, office hours, you know, part-time to begin with, uh, you know, you're just trying to get the job done whenever you're working full-time. Uh, so what... What are some of the advantages and disadvantages of working with family in the ministry? Um, well, I was wondering, you know, if I, th- I don't know if the average church person thinks of uh, having your son or a family member on staff, if they think of that naturally as nepotism. I've always thought of nepotism as treating somebody um like favorably mm-hmm. that didn't deserve it, mm-hmm. um, like showing favoritism towards somebody, and so I, I felt coming. I never felt like you showed favoritism toward me over somebody else. Um, so I've never thought that it was nepotism me working here, because mm-hmm. um, also it wasn't like you know you get put into the top position. It's just an assistant role. You yes, know, helping the pastor. Everybody starts at the bottom because <laughs> yes. there's only one position, <laughs> the bottom. <laughs> well, I think if anything, from my perspective, I don't know what you think, but from my perspective, I think I was probably a little harder on, on our sons whenever I was either youth director or coach or whatever, uh, you know, in smite campaign. Anytime that I was had a position of authority. I think I, I think I was less favorable. If I look back and I wonder if I was unfair, uh, you know, by, by making things a little bit tougher, but I hope you guys didn't feel that way. But, you know, I was, I was always very aware that, uh, sometimes when the last name matches the pastor's name, mm-hmm. that a lot of things get handled much differently in churches. And I, I may have, gone a little bit I think I always have gone a little bit you know one step too far away I think it would probably be better to lean that way than to lean the other way yes yes because then people would have a legitimate gripe mm-hmm. you know if people are going to gripe they're going to gripe and I always viewed it as if someone would be upset that I worked here like I'm going to try to prove them wrong with my work and, yes. and having a good work ethic and trying to do my duties to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and any time that we've talked about raises or things like that with the deacons or the church, I, I have always felt like it's just right to do. It isn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have anything to do with you being family. It's just right to do, you know, to, to try to do right just because of the— uh, you know the the blessing and the and the work ethic. You know you're in a situation many times. The assistant pastor is going to be in a situation where the pastor knows what what is going on a lot more than church members. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you know more of what I am doing is more of the face of the ministry. And so you know obviously if somebody's in the hospital, they don't call and say, "Can Brother Steve come?" You know, mm-hmm. can pastor come? And not that you never make visits or anything, right. but 
being the face of the ministry, uh, you know, it, a lot of people don't necessarily see the things that you do. And so it really, I think it's important for the pastor to make sure that, you know, make sure that all of his employees, you know, work. And of course, you know, now mm-hmm. we're, we're the whole woven team since <laughs> my wife is, uh, that's right. you know, working in the church office and that's not going to be a long-term thing, you know, but uh, uh, she's filling a need while that we definitely have. So, you know, it's, it's my job to make sure that people are actually working hard and, you know, quote unquote, earning their pay. Although uh, the pay could always be, always be more. We don't want you to earn your pay. We want you to do a little bit better than that. Yeah. <laughs> do you think I'm at probably about now where the former assistant pastor was in terms of uh, wages and that? More. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, some of that that goes into pay, because you wouldn't want a situation where you have mo- many people on staff and you're right. You're paying your your son way more than everyone else. Oh yes, who, and they've only been there a year. You know, yes. like have no years under their belt and things like that. Yeah, that would be a a big problem. Yeah. So, and I I can say this just because this is so many years ago. 41 years ago, um, I was earning, working in college, I was earning about, um, I was earning about 16000 a year uh, working at, at the steel company when we were married. And so um, then whenever, whenever um, we graduated and came back to Cleveland Baptist, I I made eight thousand and mom made six, so we were about two thousand dollars less than what we were making in college. Hmm. And then mom got pregnant with you, and so then uh, we went down to one salary, and they gave me a raise to ten. So I had come down to almost half uh, in two years of what I was earning in college, which wasn't a lot. Yeah. And I remember one time going to Bob Folger's, it was like after a year or two and I'm going, man, I, you know, this is, this is really tough, you know? And, and he said to me, he said, well, you know, cause I think then they gave me a raise to like 12 because they saw how bad it was. And so it was like maybe two or three years later, I just went to Bob Folger, who was the business manager at the time. I said, do you, I don't know what I should do, what I should say. Uh, I'm not complaining. I love being here. But, you know, it is really, really tough now, you know, living living with, and I think at that time Ben was born. So, you know, two kids and a, and a family, you know, on 12000 a year. And he said, well, you're making a little bit more than other people. <laughs> and I was dumbfounded. I thought, okay. <laughs> you know, so then I never, never one time ever, uh, from that point forward, ever even talked about salary because, you know, then I I understood, okay, everybody's having it tough. Yeah. And and matter of fact, when Pastor Thompson announced his retirement and, you know, the deacons were brought in by Pastor Folger to try to decide on what kind of package to give them, I'd say half the deacons were that talked to me were very angry that Doc Thompson was making what he was making. Not retirement, pre-retirement, 
because they they were never in the mix, you know. And it's just Doc Thompson was always just very humble and mm-hmm. you know never set his salary high and like double triple what anybody else is getting. And and you would think for a church like that, you know, the guy would be making a lot more than what he was, but he he wasn't making that much more than anybody else. And so it, that really is a, it is a sign of being humble. So. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, would you? I know it didn't happen, but would you have worked for your dad? Because he was a pastor as well. I would have worked for anyone that the Lord had intended me, oh, okay. you know, had put in my heart to do. Mm-hmm. God put in my heart to go to Cleveland. And it wasn't just because it's a big place, great opportunity. I really had a burden. I prayed for four years. I could probably count on one hand the number of days in four years that I did not beg God to let me go back to Cleveland Baptist and serve. And so, you know, that was in my heart to do. And I would have done it maybe for free, not really. (laughs) You know, I mean, I I felt like that if I'm going to be in the ministry, I should live out the ministry. But, you know, obviously my situation was a little bit different than you you coming here. But, but yeah, I I would have. I can say that I don't think that I could go work for anybody unless I really respected them. Right. Yeah, that's true. All right, so what are some of the good things about working for your dad? Um, are are there any good things? <laughs> there, are, there are good things. <laughs> I think a good thing is I know you. Yes. Um, you know, from growing up in the house, that I, I know that it's, it's always been real. I... From being a preacher's kid, you part of the, I don't know, some of the benefits is you get to hang around a whole bunch of other preachers and mm-hmm. missionaries and other people in the ministry. But um, maybe a negative is you get to hang around other preachers and <laughs> missionaries and other people in the ministry. And you can see, sadly, there are a lot of people that, you know, I would be ashamed if they were my pastor. Mm. You know, the... Just uh, I don't know, and so I definitely knew I could only work for somebody that I, like you know, I knew that it was real. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of fakes, yeah, in the ministry. Sadly, we won't mention Alstone by name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't mention him since he gave me my first wedgie when I was little. <laughs> And it wasn't last week. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, so I knew, you know, you were somebody that I could get along with, that I respected. Um, you know, maybe if if guys haven't gone back and worked for the dead, it, it's not a sign that they didn't respect them. No, but, it isn't. But the, there are people that, uh, whose children don't end up not even going to church anymore, and maybe because they saw that it wasn't really real mm. in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could always tell that it was real, you know, and so, yeah, I, you were one of the people that I knew I could respect to go work for. Um, I think that that is a plus as well, because I know you so well, and... Uh, not that I've tried to um, not be professional as a pastor or in the business sense, but, uh, you know, 
there are times whenever I'm testy, whenever I get mad, I'm I'm mad about something, and you don't take it internally like I'm just gonna quit. <laughs> you you yeah. just know you know me, and so you know yeah the like, oh dad's the, just mad. The storm I'm will just blow gonna, over. Yeah. yeah, leave him alone right now. Yes. Yeah. So if I ever pop off at you. Uh, usually, if I'm wrong, I'll come and apologize. I did that once, <laughs> but uh, but it isn't an animosity and right. an antagonism and a hatred and some kind of um, you know sign of underlying bitterness or something that a lot of times people have to deal with. You know, jealousy because people like you more. Man, I'm thrilled. You know, when people talk about you know you and and your preaching. Uh, you know, like uh, I, I said, there's a fella, a family that joined our church and uh, two, three years ago, and oh, a couple of months after they joined, you know, I announced that I was going to be preaching someplace and, and that you'd be preaching. And he said, I don't know about this. You know, we just joined here. You, you know, hopscotch, <laughs> hopscotching all across the country about that, like this. You know, he's joking around. But I said, well, you haven't heard my son preach yet. And so then, you know, two weeks later, whenever I saw him, you had preached on that Sunday. And so uh, we saw him in church and he said, hey, you know what I said? Forget it. Just go ahead and keep keep roaming. Your, your boy <laughs> did really good. You know, so, I mean, that that's, I think most of our church sort of uh, doesn't look at that as, you know, oh, great. It's, it's Pastor Steve, you know, oh, brother, you know, uh, although... You know, it's, it's obviously not their pastor, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've shown in doing that and being capable in, in handling those situations. So that's that's a blessing. So do you think a disadvantage? I don't know. You haven't had to do it yet. Hopefully you won't. But do you think having a son as a, a staff member makes it harder to fire? No. I mean, obviously, I've not had to do it. Right. Um, for me, hopefully, you know, like right now, I could say, hopefully, that I love the church enough mm-hmm. and I love the Lord enough that if I needed to do that, you know, if you were if you were at a at some kind of a situation where either you were absolutely rebellious, absolutely lazy, you know. Uh, Somehow, in some manner, you're you're hurting the church. Um, like disqualified yourself for the ministry. Yes, yeah. that that it it would kill me, mm-hmm. but I would do it. And I I'm not saying I'd do it willingly, but but I I don't think I'd I'd do it, you know, happily or or I've never had to fire really anybody, you know, mm-hmm. uh, do it a little bit reluctantly, you know. But I don't think I would have. I don't think I it would keep me from doing it. You know, and of course, that's good. I'm saying that right now right. as to what I think, but but I know me at least my intent as much as I can know my heart. I, I think I think that's true. I just didn't know if that changes when grandkids get involved in this situation. Oh well, I may fire you, but the <laughs> keep kids the grandkids have to stay around. Down. <laughs> Boot me out of my ear. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. I have heard. Sons that are assistant pastors say, I've got job security. My grandkids are, you know, so, you know, joke around like that. So I do know that that is, that's another dynamic with that, you know. I know you've probably seen 
churches that it worked well, um, sons working in the mm-hmm. same ministry, and churches that it didn't work right. work out. I think it comes down to character. Of the you person. Know, if somebody has character and somebody's not ambitious, ambition doesn't have any place in the ministry of the Lord. Right. Unfortunately, it there's there's many people that seem to be, I can't judge their heart, but they seem to be ambitious. You know, they would, they would in a second, you know, leave their church where they've been at for maybe six or eight years if there was a church, you know, 200 more. Yeah. It, it, like in a second. And that's, that's a shame, you know, that, that, and of course I, I've seen it not work well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's generally guys who feel like they've, uh, they've earned the right because of their name. You know, and uh, one of the things that you guys never had to really experience is, uh, you know, being an assistant pastor at Cleveland Baptist, it isn't like I was asked to go all over the country. And sometimes right. whenever a uh, family, you know, goes, you know, you get asked to preach to, uh, out in the Rockies. Well, you just take your kids and you've got a quote-unquote, you know, semi-free vacation a little bit. You know, another church is paying the motel room and and help with some of the meals and things. And so uh, a lot of times fellas can grow up in the ministry and they get those real extra benefits, if you want to call it that way, which I don't think that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But they almost start thinking that that's the best part of the ministry are the perks and they miss the the real thing. So that's that's what I've seen as a as a bad situation. But you guys never were in danger of that whenever <laughs> we were growing up. So what's the tough part? Um I don't know if it probably would just be tough for any assistant is if you view something one way and you try and hash it out with the pastor and you make a decision that, you know, you don't think is the best decision to still, you know, well, that's what we're going to go with. Yes. I've been there. Yeah. You know, and you just plead your case, Mm -hmm. you fight your fight, you keep fighting it, you keep fighting it. And then if there's no yielding, then you just go on, you know, and you just, and you just say, well, I'm just going to try because I did that once with Pastor Thompson. You know, it was a, it was a decision about a year in the making, and so about every two months I'd load up for bear and go in it. <laughs> by the last couple of times, we were almost yelling, you know. But it, doors are closed. He didn't care, right. you know. I mean, and I mean, I was pushing. I was pushing real hard. I knew he was wrong. I knew he was wrong. I'm trying to help him. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I know he was wrong, and. We went ahead and went with his decision, and the Lord blessed. And it wound up being <laughs> a, a great decision mm-hmm. because he saw something I didn't see. And so, but, you know, sometimes there's errors as well. I always felt like it was my responsibility to, that part of having the pastor's back is to see potential problems mm-hmm. that are coming, you know, whether it's something maybe he did or he's ignorant of or he's allowing or, you know, just to, to plead the danger of something that we see. Yeah. Now, I think one of the difficult things for me is not trying to butt in too much. 
I'm your pastor. I'm your boss. I'm your dad. And so I'm, I try to not butt into every area of your life. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I like to try to leave some areas where don't give suggestions. We can just talk, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Hey, Melissa and the kids are doing this rather than, well, I don't think that you should do that because I mean, that's your family. You, that's that's something that you're doing now. If I if I think you're doing something that may harm the ministry, mm-hmm. you know, we're 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 going out to the bar. All right, you know, okay, <laughs> now I'm going to step in. But uh, that's the hard part for me because I can get in my you always call it a smite mode, mm-hmm. and you know where it's. Boom, this order, this order, this order, you know, and and I don't want to cross some of those lines that because we're too familiar mm-hmm. that I don't I wanna let you still leave you alone yeah. and let your family be your family the way that they ought to be. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. What other things are difficult to do? Um maybe a thing that might be a little bit more difficult for a son is uh, when people attack the pastor, hmm. like to not take it more personal, mm-hmm. you know, because it's your family. Uh, preacher's families have to get used to that anyway. Yes. But like when you're also on staff of the church mm-hmm. and then they're, you know, criticizing, you know, your dad, it, you know, you want to take it more personally. Yes. And you just have to not allow that. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, in seventeen years, that's never happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when the wolves and the goats and the weak sheep are around, you know, it's like, oh. yeah. Well, we try to drive the wolves away, and we try to separate <laughs> the goats, and we just try to protect the weak sheep. So yeah. Um. I would imagine it's probably a little bit difficult to talk about money because, you know, you've been here 17 years. You'd never once mentioned anything about finances to me. Mm-hmm. Never have, you know, and I know it's been tough and I know you've had some real difficulties and I've never wanted to, uh, you know, make that, you know, make that a point of contention. But so I maybe you would have talked to your pastor if it had been me. I don't know. Maybe. I did mention a little bit of money once to you, but it wasn't about yes. my pay. Mm-hmm. It's about somebody else. Mm-hmm. But I think that's about the only time I've mentioned money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, 17 years. I mean, goodness. Um, do you feel like there's some areas that are like, we don't go there? Uh, do you feel like there's areas that you sh- you can't talk about? Or you can't address? I don't think so, because I think we've had a pretty open dialogue. We like talking about the scriptures together. Oh, yes. And that's some of the most fun. That is. Is to just get to talk about the scriptures. I'm amazed at what you know. I really am. You know, every every time we wind up talking like that, I leave there thanking God that you're a student of the word and... I can sense the love that you have for the Word of God. And and it, it amazes me the application of Scripture to life that you have. And uh, 
I mean that that's a great blessing. I whether it's, whether you're my son or not, it, mm-hmm. I think it's a great advantage at our church having someone uh, in your situation. Now, we don't have time to address this because we're getting ready to be done. But uh, one of the areas that I feel the strongest uh, confidence in you is in the area of music that you'll never ever hurt us with music. So uh, maybe give just a little bit of suggestions of what what somebody should be doing. Uh, and, and we have had requests. We got to get back and do do another week with uh, Brother Stone and myself uh, about you know just oh, music, contemporary Christian music. And yeah, I forgot like that, so. how long ago that was. Oh, somebody just emailed us and said it was episode two twenty two. Oh, okay. So we're like in the eight nineties. Oh, okay, yeah, it has so been a while. It's been a while, yeah. Well, it would also be good to get somebody in, somebody like a Mark Rogers or, a, you know, mm-hmm. um, who's been doing it even longer than myself, you mm-hmm. know, uh, music in the ministry. Yeah. Um, all the evangelists that we just had, Brother Johnson. Yes. You know. Very good. Yeah. There are a lot of good good men out there. And with, he sang, his family sang some songs that wouldn't necessarily have been on my song list. Mm-hmm. But they weren't bad, right? You know, they're newer, right? Uh, they can be abused, yes. Uh, but I thought they did them in a tremendous way, and and so there is the. I, I can't explain it right. I, I'm definitely in the in the old codger setting whenever it comes to this. But you know, there definitely is an opportunity for blending some new songs. Mm-hmm. We get in such a rut of only doing the old songs. Uh, but yet uh, being careful of of what kind of appetites we create. Right. Yeah, that's a hard balance to take with music, to just try to take everything on its own instead of just, it's very easy to lump everything in one category. Uh, like to just say all CCM is wrong. Like it's an easy thing to say, but there are some songs that are okay to sing. Mm-hmm. You don't wouldn't necessarily sing them the way that they sing them. Because um, I think there's a lot of worldliness that gets involved in even how people sing and mm-hmm. and and things like that that shouldn't be in church. Oh, even Elvis singing Amazing Grace right. didn't make you want to hit the aisle, you know. Mm-hmm. Although, <laughs> although I have had, I think, four... Four funerals, four different funerals where people had Elvis singing Amazing Elvis Grace. Elvis singing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys always know my most hated Christmas song is Blue Christmas. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I've never been a fan of Elvis. <laughs> so, Although, some Christmases. My grandparents, a few of them, they loved Elvis singing those songs. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so some Christmases I changed everybody's ringtone to their most hated Christmas song. That was yeah. fun. That was fun to do. So. We always knew which one to put for mine. All right, so generic last statement, you know, what's your advice? Somebody, maybe they're going to Bible college, they're in Bible college, they're getting ready to graduate, um, and they're thinking about, Going to their home church, working for their dad. Um, if your dad's a jerk before you go to Bible college, 
<laughs> you probably will be after you graduate Bible college. Boy, now that's the voice of experience. <laughs> yeah, you you would know, you know, your own your own dad. Um, if it's someone that you could get along with, that you could have a good working relationship with, that someone that you could respect. Um, I've seen a lot of the guys that I graduated with end up go and working for a knucklehead just because it was the, yes. the first place first that they could get on. That asked and then me, it, yeah. you know, ended up being a bad situation. Yes. You know, so you really have to just pray where the where the Lord wants you to go first and foremost and follow that. And if it is, you know, to help your dad, then, you know, it's a, I think it's a good thing. Okay. A lot of your contemporaries, I said, there's a last thing, but Al's not here to cut us off. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of your contemporaries, uh, I would say maybe, I don't know, 30, 40% have had a difficult situation working for somebody, some kind of a difficulty where they, felt that they must leave, not mm -hmm. just hurt feelings and a little bit, wounded, but I mean, truly sacrificing. What would you say to somebody who is working, it may not be their dad, but uh, they're working for somebody and it's just, it's going south and it's, it's not going well. You, you have to pray and uh, go where the Lord wants you to go even if it would be a tough thing to leave that situation. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think God's just going to keep you in a tough situation just, you know, to keep you in it. Um, if you know that it's time to go, then you need to go. Um, and it's e way easier said than done. Yes. I've, I've not had to do it, mm -hmm. you know, here. So I'm not really the the voice of, you know, Expertise yeah, but I, I'm in sure that. you're aware of things that have happened, and you mm -hmm. know, heart. I was the same way as an assistant. You'd hear these horror stories, yeah. You know, and generally, just about the time that I'm upset about something, some little thing, I'd hear these horror stories, and I go, <laughs> "Wow, I'm I'm pretty glad I am where I'm at," you right. know, because the little tiny thing that, you know, the moat, uh, you know. That was in my eye <laughs> was nothing like the beam that somebody else had to deal with. Yes. Know? Well, and uh, some of it is almost self-inflicted because hmm. it, I hate to hear about bad situations that guys are in. But, you know, I was like, I <laughs> I would have never gone and worked for that guy. Yes. Like, yes, you, you should have had your eyes open a little bit more to even making that decision to go work there. And not that. What they went through was, you know, validated. Mm -hmm. You know, they could have, you know, been genuinely wronged. Yes. You know, or cheated out of money or something. Right. But lied um, to, lied often, to, often yeah, a lot of, a lot of lies. Dishonesty. Hey, I'm getting ready to leave, and mm -hmm. I need somebody to fill in, and maybe after five years, and then because they get life there, and the yes. church comes back to life, and then the guy's going, no, things are going great. I'm You've seen that quite here. a few times. With the older man it. in the ministry who yes. is on the verge of retiring yes, and get a young guy in that they want to train, and then because the young guy is in there, that boost he's of life, he's doing all the work, yeah. and the church starts growing, and then yes. the pastor gets reinvigorated to stick around, yes. you know. Until but he he's dies. not changed. Right. He's still the same him. Mm -hmm. You know, that is going to, 
help it to die. Yeah. Yeah, yeah who is it, uh, Brother uh, Hardy, that had the best example of how you should pass off a church? Oh. Talking to, you know, it's like you're running the relay race. Yes. And both people in a relay race have to be running at full speed. Yes. To, to hand that off. To hand the baton off if yeah. you want to keep going. If you want to keep going yep. in that race. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for being our special guest. We plan on probably having you back again soon. And thank you for your honesty and telling everybody that you have the world's greatest pastor <laughs> and the world's best boss. Uh, this is easy when Al's not around. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that uh, whenever your wife was doing secretarial stuff, she did buy me the mug, world's best boss that you see on TV. You know, so. And yeah, and that was the only time that I could flirt with the secretary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, don't flirt now. No, definitely not. <laughs> Well, this is Dan Wolven in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, we are looking forward to Brother Stone and I being back together again next week. Our schedules just could not mesh where we could do this, and so I appreciate uh, not only my son, but my assistant pastor, and probably most importantly, the father of my grandchildren <laughs> being being here today. Yeah. So, Well, thank you for having me, and uh, you know, I've always enjoyed listening and get to learn a lot and I appreciate you know having a mentor like you in the ministry well amen this is Tim Talks Mike Harness take us away you've been listening to Tim Talks taking interest in ministry with new podcasts added each Monday Wednesday and Friday to learn more about your host Dr. Al Stone and Pastor Dan Wolven you can visit us at timtalks.com that's t-i-i-m talks.com <laughs>